Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Well, I'm holding this mic because I'm not the one preaching today. Um, I am announcing today, I get to introduce uh, my own father. This is Pastor Dwayne and my mother, Jeannie. Um, they'll be here today. He's going to be speaking. Most of, you, most of you know him. If you didn't know, if you're newer here didn't know, this church was planted from Resurrection Life Granville, where he is pastoring, 15 years ago. And uh, so it's like our, our parents in the Lord here. Come on up um, and uh, take it away. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, great to see everybody today and great to be with you. Uh, we have a guest in Granville, so I called Josh and said, could I just sneak over for your first service? And he said, yeah, that'd be all right. So here we are. Great to see you, and it's really a privilege for us to get to be here. So thank you. And uh, I want to share a pretty simple message with you this morning. And uh, Joshua said, what's your title? And, and here's the thing. I have bad titles, but I've got good messages. Right? So, so the title is The Spirit of Faith. That's the title. And uh, the scripture that I'd probably use as a springboard text would be 2 Corinthians 4.13. This is what it says. It says, since we have the same, literally in the Greek, it's the identical, or you could say carbon copy. Right? Since we have the same, spirit of faith. Right? So faith is not a formula. Right? Uh, if it was a formula, you could learn it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Right? But it's not a formula. Faith is a spirit. And literally, the most precious possession that any person could ever have is the spirit of faith. Right? So it's a spirit. And, and, and it's actually more caught than it is taught. Right? But since we have the same, the identical, the carbon copy, spirit of faith, as it is written, it says... I believed, therefore I spoke. And it says, we, that's you and me, also believe, and therefore we speak. Right? So the spirit of faith has two parts. There is a believing part, and there is a speaking part. Right? And we, we, sometimes we get the believing without the speaking, or we get the speaking without the believing, and it will not work. Right? So I want to jump all the way back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, and kind of lay the, the foundation. I'll probably have a 20-minute introduction and an 8-minute message, all right? Here we go. Genesis 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, when God made man, notice two things. First, he said, we're going to make him in our image and our likeness. Right? So in a sense, we can say it this way, you are, you're like God. Right? Now, you're not God, you're never going to be God. Right? But you are created in God's image and in God's likeness. Right? Now, if you read just a few verses before this, you find God creating. Right? And how did he create? This is what he would do. He would say, let there be 
light and there was, there was light. The way that he created was through speaking words of faith. It literally tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that we understand that the words were created by faith. So God spoke. And and literally, I, I would like to just say this, that God created you to be a speaking spirit. A speaking spirit. But he created you in his image, his likeness, and said, let them have dominion. So you were not created to be a doormat. You were created with authority, and you were created to have dominion. And in one sense, we could say this, that God put Adam and Eve on this earth, and he put them there to be his underrulers. It's like Adam and Eve, they were God's prince and princess of the earth. In fact, in Psalms 8, in verse Verses 4 through 6, it says, What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man, that you visited him? You made him a little lower than the angels, and you put him over all the works of your hands. Over how much did God put Adam and Eve? Over over all. They had dominion. They had authority over everything that God created. Chapter 3, Satan shows up. He tempts Adam and Eve. We all know the story. They fall through the temptation. They bow their knee. And literally, they become subject to Satan. Right? Um, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Luke chapter 4. The Bible says in, in uh, verse 5 that the devil takes them and shows them all the kingdoms of the world in just a moment of time. And this is what Satan said. He said, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. And I can give it to whoever I wish. Now, if Satan's lying, there's no temptation. So he's telling the truth. He says, someone delivered all of the authority of the earth to Satan. Now, who did that? Adam and Eve did that. God gave it to them. But when they bowed their knee to Satan... Literally, it's like Satan went in and took their authority. I love what Job said. Job said, he has taken the crown from my head. He's taken the crown from my head. In Romans chapter 5, it says this. Just as through one man, sin entered the world. What was that one man? Adam and Eve. All right. Sin entered the world. And death through sin. So when Adam and Eve sinned, Satan came in, and death, sickness, disease, war, famine, COVID, AIDS, every catastrophe, every wicked, every evil thing that you can think of came in because man bowed his knee to Satan. Uh, Even insurance companies, when something bad happens, they call it an act of God. Well, it's an act of the devil. All right? And by the way, for those of you who are wondering, this is what Jesus said. He said, the prince of this world is coming. Speaking of Satan, he said, the prince of this world. That's what Jesus called Satan, the prince of this world. He says, and he has nothing in me. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, Satan is called the God, small g, of this world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, we know positively that we are of God and the whole world is under the control of the devil. The whole world is under whose control? The devil's control. Hebrews chapter 2, Jesus said, 
the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. It's amazing to me how all the bad things that happen in the world get blamed on God. All right? But it's the devil who came in and brought in sickness and disease and prejudice, famine and war and every ugly thing that you can think of. Right? It's interesting, before the devil was here, there was none of it. And once he's gone, it's good news. It says the Bible says God will wipe away every tear. And there will be no more death, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more sorrow, right? And the former things will be passed away. You know, it's only as long as the devil's around that there's all this bad stuff that we see is in this world. All right. So Jesus defeats the devil. And he arose and he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go you Therefore, so literally what Jesus does is Jesus gives authority to the church. So we have that authority. It's in Ephesians that God says that he wants to show to principalities and powers the wisdom of God, the plan of God through the church, through the church. So how do we connect? How do we use this authority that God has given us? Well, let me first of all just say in, in Romans chapter 1, in verse 17, it says this, For the night righteousness of God is revealed, and it's from faith to faith. Right. Um, notice it says from faith to faith. So this is what it means. It says God has plans for you. Right? But where you are today, the faith you have today is not enough to get you to the end. Right? Your, your faith has to keep growing. Right? Because God's plan and God's purpose for you is bigger than where you are or where I am today. Right? So it's from faith to faith. So God will never have a plan for your life that does not include faith. Right? For you to fulfill all that God has for you, it's going to take some faith. Right? Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he even find faith in the earth? Faith is a rare commodity, right? And it's something that God is looking for. Jesus said, will I even find any when I come? Well, faith is released by your words and your actions. That's where we can find where your faith is. In Proverbs eight twenty one, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Revelation twelve eleven, and they, that's us, Overcome him, that's the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word. The word of your testimony. Notice the blood, the word, and your testimony. Those three things. So there is no victory, real victory, in your life or in my life without the word of our testimony. In our testimony, our words need to agree with what the word of God says. Um, in, again, in Matthew 4, Jesus is being tempted by the devil. And Jesus makes this statement. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right? So your Bible proceeded from the mouth of God. So we can say it this way. It was first spoken. Because it, where did it come from? It came from the 
mouth of God. All right? But it was spoken and then written. All right? Now, it was written so that you could speak it. And that's why it's written. It's not written so you can carry around a big copy. Put something on, on the coffee table in the house. No, it's written so that you could speak it. In fact, it, it almost seems like the whole Bible is trying to teach us how to talk. Just a few examples. Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You and I, the things that come out of our mouth, are supposed to agree with the word of God. Job chapter 23. Says also, it says, you will also declare or decree a thing, and it will be established for you, and so light will shine on your way. Right? Psalms 91. David said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. That's what David had to say about the Lord. But the question is, what are you and I saying about the Lord? Psalms 107. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Again, Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat its fruit. Psalms 50, excuse me, Isaiah 57, God said, I create the fruit of the lips. I create the fruit of the lips. Psalm, excuse me, Psalms, Isaiah 59, God said, my word that I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor the mouth of your descendants, nor the mouth of your descendants' descendants from this time forth and forevermore. Right? Where's God's word supposed to be? In your mouth. Joel said, let the weak say, I am strong. All right? And of course, Hebrews 13, 8, therefore we can boldly say the Lord is our helper. Not to mention Romans 13. And in so many different places where the word of God talks about what we say. So with that as my introduction, let's get to the message. Mark chapter 11. All right. Jesus is staying in the little village of Bethany, less than three miles outside of Jerusalem from the Temple Mount. All right. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live there. Jesus gets up in the morning, and either Mary and Martha slept in or Jesus got up early because he got off without breakfast. All right. And he's on his way down to Jerusalem, to the Temple Mount. All right. And as he's approaching he sees a fig tree, and he goes up to that fig tree looking for figs, and he finds no figs. Now, the Bible says Jesus cursed the fig tree. Now, this is important. Jesus did not say, you blankety-blank-blank tree. <laughs> Jesus cursed the fig tree, and he said, no one ever eat fruit of you again forever. Right. You see, the way that you bless and the way that you curse is with words. Right? And blessings have power. God told the Israelites, he told the Levites, he says, this is how you will bless the children of Israel. Say. What does he say? Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And the Bible says, and I will bless them. All right. So the blessing came by saying, and a curse comes by saying, Jesus cursed the fig tree. They go into town. He said, no one ever eat fruit of you again forever. That's, that was the curse. He went into Jerusalem. He went into the Temple Mount. 
He preached, went back out to Mary and Martha's house. Undoubtedly, they passed a fig tree. Right? They spent the night there, got up in the morning. Jesus is on his way back into Jerusalem to the Temple Mount. They pass by the fig tree. And the disciples say, Jesus, look at the fig tree that you cursed. It has withered and it's died. Right? Now, all Jesus did was say something to that tree. Right? Now, I do want you to notice it died in its roots immediately, but people couldn't see anything for 24 hours. Right? So Jesus said to his disciples, this is verse 22 of Mark 11. He said, have faith in God. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you. Some of your translations say truly I say unto you. Now, this is Jesus, right? And Jesus always tells the truth, correct? But when Jesus starts his sentence to you saying verily, verily, or truly, truly, saying I'm going to tell you the truth, it, mean, it means two things. The first thing it means He's going to tell you the truth. Second thing it means is you will not believe it. All right? So I'm warning you right now, the rest of this sermon, your natural mind is going to go, that can't be right. Jesus told his disciples, hey, I'm going to tell you this, but you're not going to believe me. But I am telling you the truth. All right? Verily, verily, I say unto you, that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed. Be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He will have, King James says, whatsoever he saith. All right. So let's break this down to you a minute. I want to unpack this. The first thing I want to say is this. When we read it, we misread it. Jesus is saying to his disciples, he said, this will work for whosoever will say. We think, Jesus said, this is a deity trick. I'm Jesus. <laughs> I, am, I am the second person of the deity. And I learned to do this in heaven. Right? In heaven, we curse things and they die. And we can do that. I can do that because I'm the second person of the, the Trinity. I am God Almighty. My words mean something. This is a deity trick. You cannot do this. If you try doing this, you speak to something like this, you will blow the lips off your face. This is not going to work for you. That's what we think Jesus said. But Jesus said the exact opposite. Jesus said this will work for whosoever. Rich, poor. Educated, illiterate. Man, woman. This will work for you if you live in a mansion. And this will work for you if you live under a bridge on a freeway. Right? This will work for whosoever will say. So the first thing that faith will ever move is your mouth. Jesus said it will work for whosoever will say. Well, you say, well, I believe that. Well, it won't work for you unless you say. Because the spirit of faith has how many parts? A believing part and a speaking part. You see, all you need to do to be disqualified is keep your mouth shut. Because Jesus said, this will work for whosoever will say. And notice he said, to the mountain. To the mountain. Here's what we almost always do. We talk 
about the mountain. Man, I've had this pain for six years. And do you know, my father had that same pain. And my grandfather had that pain. It just runs in our family. And do you know the medicine that I take? It's cost me so much, and I have to take it two times a day. And yet, we talk about our mountain, right? But Jesus didn't say to talk about your mountain. He said to talk to your mountain. See, Jesus talked to fig trees. Jesus talked to storms. Jesus talked to sickness and disease. And and you may think, well, that's strange. Well, I think if Jesus would hear, he would say, well, I think you're strange. (laughs) Because he said, what I'm doing, he said, this is how things work. This is how they work. So going back to beginning, Genesis. Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. Genesis 2, and the earth is without form and void. And there's darkness over the face of the earth. Some of your translations will say gross darkness over the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God is hovering above the waters. And God said. Now, what is it out there? It's dark. There's, it is catastrophic, some translations say. All right? And God's looking at this darkness, and it's catastrophic. And God does not say, wow, that sure is dark. Right? What did God say? He said, let there be light. Right? You see, what we typically do is we say what we see or we say what we have. Now, this is what this, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but this is what Jesus ended this. And by the way, this is, this is the most detailed teaching and definition and instruction on faith any place in the Bible. Right? And Jesus said, you'll have whatsoever you say. So what people do is they say what they have. And if you say what you have, all you'll ever get is what you've got. You should write that down. (laughs) That's tweetable. (laughs) If all you ever do is say what you have, all you'll ever get is what you've got. God did not say what he saw because he had darkness. He didn't want darkness. He wanted light. So he didn't say, oh, it's dark. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, when it comes to you and I as Christians, we overcome by the blood and the word and our testimony. See, our testimony needs to be what the word of God says belongs to us. Right? Our testimony needs to be what the word says belongs to us. Again, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. So Jesus said, this will work for whosoever. Jesus said, this is not a deity trick. Right? He said, what I just did, he said, you can do. Right? Now, we, we think that's not what he said, but that's what he said. And he says, it works for whosoever will say to this mountain. In Philemon 1.6 It says this, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. So your faith becomes effectual, produces, when you acknowledge the good things that are in you in Christ. When you begin to say what the blood of Jesus has purchased for you, what the word declares, the blood is purchased, when that is your testimony... Right? That's when the word of God begins to produce in your life and in my life. And unfortunately, so many of us, right, 
we never make a confession of what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. All we ever do is talk about the mountain that we have instead of talking to the mountain about what God says about the mountain. In 1 John 3 and 19, it says this, By this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Shall assure our hearts before him. Here's what the devil wants to do. The Bible says his name, one of his names, is the accuser of the brethren. The devil will always tell you why it won't work for you, why you don't qualify, what you've done wrong. He will constantly condemn you. But the Bible says we need to assure our hearts. Because in your heart, you can feel like, oh yeah, I'm bad. But the Bible says you need to assure your heart. You need to tell your heart what the Word of God says. The devil says you're bad, but you know what you need to tell the devil? You need to tell him that he that knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for me, that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ, that the blood of Jesus cleanses my conscience, the Bible says in Hebrews, that I might serve the living God. We need to talk to ourselves. You know, the most important conversations that you will ever have are conversations that go on on the inside of you. How many of you know there's always that self-talk going on, right? And your self-talk, the Bible is telling you, you need to assure your heart, right? The devil tries to condemn you, but you need to be talking to yourself. And you need to say, no, 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 no. The blood of Jesus, it cleanses me from all sin. By the blood of Jesus, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And these are the things that belong to me in Christ, Right? You need to assure your heart. You need to be talking to yourself. Right? And once you get it right on the inside, you start getting it right, speaking something on the outside. All right? Now, <clears throat> oh, golly. <sighs> Here. Uh, you know we live in West Michigan, right? Yeah. All right. In, in, in West Michigan, there's a, a number of, of uh, Christian denominations. All right? That, that, that I don't know, how can I say that? I was brought up in one, all right? And um, we believed that everything that happened was what God wanted to happen. Everything was God's will, right? No matter what it was, that's just the will of God. That's the will of God. It happened. It, listen, if we would fall down the stairs, we would get up and say, well, I'm glad that's done with. Because we thought God planned for us. Listen, we thought God planned for us to fall down the stairs before the foundation of the world, Right? And whatever God wanted to happen, that would happen. And whatever God didn't want to happen, it wouldn't happen. Let me just tell you something. That will drive you crazy. All right? It will drive you crazy. And it is purely academic. All right? In other words, it doesn't work in real life. All right? Somebody's sitting down in conversation with you and say, well, that's God's plan for your life. Well, slap them. And they'll say, stop. And you say, no, God wanted me to. <laughs> And slap them again. They say, we need to stop. And you say, no, God wants me to slap you. This is the will of God. I'm telling you, all that junk is purely academic. It does not work in real life. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. All right, so this is what Jesus said. Jesus said that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe those things that you say will come to pass. Jesus said, you will have whatsoever you say. So here's what I want to tell you. It is not up to God whether the mountain stays or leaves. According to Jesus, it's up to you 
And it's up to me. Because Jesus said, if you will speak to that mountain, that mountain of depression, that mountain of addiction, that mountain of sickness and disease, if you will speak to that mountain, Jesus said, that mountain, it will obey you. All right? Jesus said, it will be removed. It will be cast into the sea. But so often we're just saying, well, God, you know, whatever you want. Well, that doesn't work. See, you need to speak to that mountain. See, you have authority. You were not created to be a doormat. You were created and given dominion. But that dominion is believed on in your heart and spoken with your mouth. Now, let me just say something about it. It says, believe those things which he saith will come to pass. Right? Now, you've got to believe what you say. Right? Now, here's a problem for a lot of people. Right? Because you don't believe what you say. You say you'll be there at 10 o'clock, and you don't leave the house till 10 o'clock. You say the check's in the mail, and it isn't in the mail. Right? And here's the thing. Your heart does not know which words it's supposed to believe and which words it's not supposed to believe. Right? If you don't believe what you say, right? if your heart doesn't believe it, it's not going to work for you. See, you need to be a man, a woman of your word. Because you, he, Jesus said, and you do not doubt in your heart, in your heart. Right? And by the way, everything you receive from God, you receive it in your heart. It's with the heart, Bible says, Romans chapter 10, that you believe. With the heart, you believe. And it says, and with the mouth, confession is made unto. So you need to believe the things that you say will come to pass. Now, if you knew what was on the other side of that mountain, you'd be talking. Because there's something on the other side of that mountain. For some people, there's peace. For some people, there's deliverance. For some people, there's healing. For some people, there's provision. But there's something on the other side of that mountain. Right? Now, Jesus said you need to speak to that mountain. But here's what a lot of people think. Well, I just want, I just want Joyce Myers to talk to my mountain. You know? Or, or Pastor Joshua. I mean, my goodness, what are we paying for anyhow? I just want Pastor Joshua to speak to my mountain. Well, here's, here's how this works, all right? That would be like saying, I need to lose 30 pounds. So, Pastor, would you go to the gym? <laughs> well, if he goes to the gym, he's going to lose 30 pounds, not you. All right? Listen, your mountain needs to hear your voice. All right? And your voice is your address in the spirit. Your voice is your address. In, you need to call that mountain up. One, 800 mountain. And by the way, it's probably a local call. Right? You need to say, Mountain, I have got some things that I want to say to you. Right? You need to start to tell that mountain, speak to that mountain, and tell that mountain what the word of God says. The blood of Jesus has purchased for you. All right? Jesus said, it'll be cast into the sea. Let me tell you, here's the thing about the sea. The sea is the only place that is big enough to receive that mountain, to cover it up, so that you can't ever tell there's a mountain there. So I believe this is what Jesus is saying, that you can speak to that mountain, and five years from today, that mountain will be gone. 
Not only will it be gone, there's no trace it was ever there. And you will tell somebody, yeah, but I used to have that problem. And they will look at you and say, you're a liar. You never had a problem like that. Your life is so together. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, you can get rid of that mountain and there will be no residue. There will be nothing to show that that mountain was ever even there. All right. I need to close. Here we go. (laughs) I got to get back to another service. Okay. Jesus said, you will have whatsoever you say. Now, if we could just change and add two words to what Jesus said, every Christian would have victory. If we could just say, you'll have whatsoever you say in church. Because in church, everybody says the right thing. In church, it's like, hallelujah, Lord, I worship you. You're wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Ooh, hallelujah in church. Right? But you get in the car, and you're on the way home. And you say, honey, honey, you know, Bob, Bob, Bob down the street, you know, he was cutting the grass last month, and he dropped over with an aneurysm. I got a headache. I think I've got one. See, you don't get what you say in church. You get what you say in the car. Literally, Jesus says, you'll have whatsoever you say. The Greek word there is the word lego. How many of you grandparents, all you parents, you all know what lego is. Yeah, legos. Literally, it's legos. That's where they get the word from. Literally, the definition is your set systematic discourse. What you say what you tell, and what you declare to others. That's what you get. So you may say the right thing in church, but what do you say in the car? What do you say at work? What do you you say at Big D Coffee? What, What do you say? What's constantly coming out of your mouth? Because Jesus said, eventually, you will have what you, what you say, what you lay go. Now, one of, our, one of our grandsons just loves Legos. His name is Tristan. So we went to the store. Right? It's going to be Christmas. Right? And there's this, there was this whole row of Legos. Right? So we, we, we decided we're getting him this fire engine. Right? There's a picture right on the box, so you know that's what's in there. All right? But he opened it up on Christmas Day, and there was no fire engine. There was just a whole bunch of parts. Right? And he had to Lego those parts together. And he created, listen, he created the fire engine that was on the front, that was in that picture. Right? Jesus is telling you and me that the things that we believe and the things that we say, they Lego our life. They Lego our life. And if you and I will believe and say, what God says, the blood of Jesus has purchased for you and me. We will lay go into our mountain being cast into the sea. And the blessing of God, the, the, the peace, right, the deliverance, the healing, the provision that you and I are believing God for, it's there. It is there when you and I begin to speak to that mountain consistently. When our set systematic discourse every day is what God says about you and about me. Say, would you bow your heads for just a moment?
The prophet Jeremiah said this. He said, the harvest is past. He said, the summer's ended and we're not saved. The harvest is past. The summer's ended and we're not saved. You know, so many people have the idea someday, 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 I'm going to get right with God. Someday I'm going to do it. But summer comes and summer goes. The harvest comes and the harvest is past. But nothing changes. The devil always says tomorrow. In fact, when there was a plague of frogs in Egypt, Pharaoh called Moses and said, pray the Lord that the frogs leave. Now, the Bible says there were frogs in their beds. There were frogs in their cooking utensils. There's frogs everywhere. And Moses said, when do you want the frogs to leave? And this is the stupidest verse in the Bible. Pharaoh said, tomorrow. He said, I want to sleep with the frogs one more time. (laughs) One more night with the frogs in my coffee and in my bed and in my shoes. See, the devil always says tomorrow. But his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. And why anyone would give him one more day of their life, I do not know. So today, if you're away from God, you're not right with God, you say, I want to be right with God, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with us. Pray this prayer from your heart. The Bible says that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. So I'm going to ask everybody, if you can Take the hand of somebody that's near you, all right? Take their hand. And we're going to pray this prayer out loud together. I'm going to ask everybody to pray these words from your heart, but say it out loud. Just say, oh God, God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus. I turn my back on my old living. And I'm going to live for my king. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. My past is gone. That I'm a part of your family, your kingdom, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you're still holding that hand, Now, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it and you say, I just got right with God. I just came back to God. I prayed that and I I gave my heart and my life to Jesus and I'm turning my back on my old life. When I say three, would you squeeze that hand? One, two, three. Squeeze that hand. I prayed that prayer. I meant it. Just squeeze that hand. Now, if someone squeezed your hand, when I say three, would you lift it? One, two, three. Lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I see 15 groups of hands. And Father, we pray for each one of these. We pray that they will grow strong in the Lord and the power of your might. We pray you'll surround them with Christians that will help them in their new life. And we pray, Father, that their faith will not fail in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much. God bless. God bless.